My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach and I'm your host. Today's episode is about disaster planning, business continuity, and what your IT team can do in the event of a natural disaster. After a series of hurricanes ripped through the southern and uh, southeastern US earlier this year, IT pros took to Reddit and other, other social media and aired their grievances about how difficult it was with getting systems back online after the storms. I thought this was an important topic, so I reached out to the IT committee and connected with Suzanne Tedrick our principal infrastructure specialist with Microsoft. We talked about how organizations can better prepare for these kind of events. According to Suzanne, this means not only developing a plan, but also testing that plan rigorously. Before we get to this interview, here's a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you consume podcasts, and also to check out mytechdecisions.com for news, insight, and analysis on the most pressing issues facing IT pros today. And now, here's Suzanne Tedrick. I don't know how much you go on, um, you know, Reddit. This, this, uh, our system admin page is uh, particularly useful for, for my purposes. And I saw a ton of um, IT guys or IT pros, I should say, um, you know, complaining about trying to get their customer, their their users back online after you know a few of these hurricanes that uh, blew through the south and in parts of the northeast. Um, you know, what what are the challenges there? Um, in, in you know, getting systems back up after a disaster like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think sometimes there is a, a misalignment of sorts when it comes to disaster recovery options and what businesses need. So usually uh, the conversation revolves around just, you know, backing up your your, your data and, and usually on a physical infrastructure or whatever the case may be, where some businesses or organizations like literally need to have a duplicate of what they're doing now, you know, running someplace else. Uh, so, you know, like really thinking about like, what exactly do you need? Um, thinking about um, recovery, because oftentimes when people do a backup, they don't necessarily think about when they have to do the actual recovery. They don't test for it. They don't necessarily have the uh, folks on staff to do that sort of thing. Um, so it's never really followed up in the real world in any way of, of knowing, like, how do you do it? Uh, not knowing where your backups are physically, whether they're, you know, on-prem or in the cloud, Um you know, there, there's all of this misalignment that I think that happens, that while it's already a challenging situation, um, it's made worse when there isn't like an effective um, strategy uh, and there's not kind of like a mapping of where things ought to be and what the next step should be. Uh, so, you know, what, in your opinion, what, what is an effective strategy and, and, um, you know, 
you know, should that that disaster recovery plan kind of, you know, outline where those things, you know, should be? Yeah. And in fact, one of the things that when I have client conversations, one of the things that I usually say, it's yes, it is a technology discussion for sure, but it's very much a planning discussion Mm. and really testing things out. So when we're talking about disaster recovery, we're, we're, we're making sure that we understand uh, the business impact. So doing a thorough business impact assessment. Um, what are the risks if we don't get online by a particular time? What are the reputational risks? What are the data risks? What are the financial risks? Um, all of that needs to be done to kind of frame, you know, the importance of what needs to what needs to happen. Um, also need to talk about specifics re- regarding disasters, because not all disasters are created the same. Obviously, there are natural disasters. And so you want to be prepared for that. But then there's also situations where, you know, sadly, you're dealing with active shooters or you know dealing with the covid pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to have playbooks that are very specific to uh, scenarios that are that are going on and how. Who will respond to them? How you'll respond? What are the metrics? So on and so forth. Um, and you also need a mechanism to test. Um, very often people will, you know, go create these plans in the ether thinking when the time comes, it'll work. And I think, uh, I think, you know, recent disasters have pointed to the fact that that doesn't work. COVID has pointed to the fact that that doesn't work. Um, you need to make sure that you test so that there isn't a single point of failure at any particular point. Um, and, and I actually forgot to mention one other one other thing. Um, you need to have a understanding of what your recovery time objectives are and your recovery point objectives are. These are very two uh, two very important metrics. Uh, so recovery point talks about what is the most acceptable risk of data loss for you between the time you're back online and the time that you did your last backup and recovery time objective talks to how long can your business be offline without any serious repercussions. Mm. And you need to kind of understand those metrics as well to influence what your disaster recovery plans are going to be. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, just from judging from what you're saying, it's much more of a of a policy in 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 planning thing than it is a you know anything some technology professional can solve uh, with technology. Yeah, it, it reminds me of something that um, was told to me many many years ago was that you know you can throw technology at a problem, but if you don't have good processes and good procedures and you're not checking it. You can throw as much technology as you want. It will just mm-hmm. produce the same result. You'll just be poor <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day. <laughs> right. um, but technology is a, is a piece of this. So what technologies do facilitate, you know, a faster recovery? Yeah. So I specifically work uh, in, in cloud computing. And so um, I, I think cloud computing technologies offer um, a very sleek and cost efficient way of you know facilitating disaster recovery because you can utilize cloud for more like your backup and your storage for more basic things that you might need and like if you can get away with a couple of hours of being offline that might be the best way to go or you can have a fully functioning duplicative 
environment to get up and running if you're running mission critical workloads. Um, and that doesn't require an investment of physical infrastructure, doesn't require, you know, hiring more staff. Uh, you know, you just kind of build it as you need it. Um, and I, I think it's something that most businesses, if they haven't thought about it already, should, should think about leveraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I have a question, you know, about, you know, why cloud is more resilient than on-prem in the event of a disaster. And I think you kind of just answered this, but if you could just maybe elaborate on, on why that is. Yeah. Uh, so with cloud computing, if you're if you're setting your environments up correctly, you're never creating one point of failure. Your your data and your workloads and, and what you're doing, they're duplicated across several different regions and availability zones. So if God forbid one data center goes down, you can still run it from the other data centers without any real impact to what you're doing or what your your business is doing. So there's that high availability for you, um, regardless of what may be what may be going on. And these data centers are are purposely built, you know, physically as far away from each other as possible so that let's say right. there is a natural disaster, it's not going to wipe out all of your, your data centers. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, a competitive advantage. Um, the second is that because cloud computing is based on consumption, um, if you if you set your uh, disaster recovery options up correctly, you're only paying for it when you're actually utilizing it. So it's not as if you're investing in a physical data center. It's not yeah. like you're buying, you know, getting new staff or, you know, getting managed services. It's when this catastrophic thing happens, it automatically just kind of kicks off. And once you're recovered, you can just shut everything down that you that you need to. Um, you're also not worrying about uh, upgrades and updates. That's one of the deficiencies with doing things on a, on a physical infrastructure is that you are responsible for that patching, for those mm-hmm. updates, for that security, whereas a cloud service provider is not taking all of that responsibility, but they are <laughs> taking the majority of it off of you. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, if you could give out like like an outline of you know the ideal disaster recovery plan, uh, you know give like a um like a, like a like a top level view. What 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 would it include? Yeah, so so definitely business impact. Um, you you have to understand what's at stake before you can, you know, feasibly decide how do I respond. Uh, you need to decide um kind of like a racy. Uh, you know, document like who's responsible, who's accountable, you know, who do I, you know, talk to and, and who should just be in the loop? Uh, because there's going to be several different players involved from both um, an internal stakeholder perspective and external. And so understanding the roles of, of who should be involved when these things happen, as well as what is expected of them, who's going to be responsible for doing what, that's going to be incredibly, incredibly important. Um, understanding your RPO, your RTO also going to be incredibly important. Um, also, you know, making sure that there is a, uh, a contact matrix, like who contacts whom in case something something happens. And again, that can be internal or or external. Um, you, you also want to make sure that, again, playbooks specific to specific events 
are, are crucial. Uh, if you can be as specific as possible, depending on what the situation is, that helps better than just doing a generic disaster recovery plan. Um, and, you know, talking about how often this is going to be tested and how, you know, often it should be upgraded. Ideally, mm. organizations should review and test their debt disaster recovery once a year. Um, but it, depending on the nature of your business and, and what you're doing, uh, you want to make sure that you're doing it in a regular cadence that makes sense to your organization and your, your industry. Um, and do all of this before things happen, you know, <laughs> like that, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Like don't wait till it's like, oh, I see this, you know, massive, you know, weather system coming. Maybe we should, t- you know, like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I saw a, a lot, a lot of, uh, system admins, um, you know, kind of, kind of racing through peer, peer, like, you know, uh, hotspots and, uh, you know, other, other wireless solutions just to, you know, get some, um, you know, higher level executives online and, and working. Um, you know, what, what are the challenges there? And, and, you know, and I, I know half of this problem is dealing with your, um, internet service provider. Um, and I know, uh, not many of those guys have friends in the IT community. Yeah, they don't. They sure yeah. don't. I, I, I mean, it's the same limitations that any consumer is going to have when a, when a major event happens. You, mm. you assume that your ISP, you know, is, is going to have the capacity to be online and, you know, and, and, and being able to provide those services. So even if you do have a hotspot or, or you do have some kind of dedicated connection, it's really going to be all contingent on whether or not your, your ISP can even do anything for you because if they're, you know, offline and they don't have, you know, a plan, which most of them do, it's going to be very difficult to get services to you, you know, one way or the other. Mm. You also have to worry about, you know, the the costs that come, you know, with that, because, you know, very often if you're using a, a hotspot, uh, you're, you're probably using a, a different tier <laughs> service mm. um, and you're probably charged at a different rate than if you are just a regular broadband customer. So there's, there's cost there, but I, I think for me, it's, it's performance. Um, I think we've all gotten used to a certain level of, you know, speed and, and access. And in my experience, you know, hotspots can be great, but they're like in comparison to like a broadband connection, like not even, not even close, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so if you're doing things that require um, you know, using cloud services or, or anything that's very data intensive, um, it, it can be a challenge to get anything meaningful done um, during that time frame. So you're kind of um, at the mercy of, um, of your ISP in this case. Unfortunately, yeah, and and so most ISPs do have disaster recovery and business continuity plans in in the event that these things happen, and and obviously, it's a black eye for them if if they can't mm. do service. Um, so they do everything that they possibly can to make sure they get online as quickly as possible, or you know, connect with a, a, a ISP that is nearby that can potentially help them. Um, but if they're offline, they're offline. And so um, it, it, we kind of saw that in uh, with disasters in Puerto Rico. Um, mm. You know, when the when the ISP is down uh, or the provider is down, telephony provider 
it's really hard to, you know, mitigate that unless we're, as you said, bringing in hotspots or, you know, that belong to a different ISP or, you know, something that likely they have not planned for. Right, right, right. Um, this is something that, that uh, me, who is not an IT guy, I'm a journalist, uh, me and the IT community have in common, common because uh, I hate my ISP as much as much as other people do, and it, it's, I love I love to hate on them so much, um, and I love that IT guys do as well. It's really fun to to crap on them. Uh, oh no, it's with fellow it's, IT perfect. Yeah. I do the same thing too because it's it's a challenge for me as well because for my clients, you know, everything is is contingent on the cloud, and you know, we have to have certain availability. Yeah. Um, but when the network goes down, you know, if, if there's throttling going on, if there's an outage, there's very little we can do. Mm-hmm. And then we're all just kind of like, yeah, we hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. It's, it's one of my favorite things. Like, I, it's like, um, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's like I, I feed off of the, the hate I have for them. Um, so <laughs> it kind of answers the, the, um, Specific questions I had. Unless there's anything else that you think um, you think you think I'm missing here, or you think anything else you think a disaster plan needs to include, or um. Uh, let's see. I, I I just genuinely the thing that I stress the most is again just really doing that initial homework about yeah. what what your needs are going to be. Think about you know who are the parties, not just the the internal organization, but if you're client facing or if you're in a government agency or, or someone that provides services to the general to the general public that are very crucial, mm-hmm. um, you, you have to kind of look at more advanced op- options versus backup and storage only because, you know, those audiences are going to be deeply impacted by you, you know, not being available. So, you know, there, there, it, it doesn't even need to be cloud, you know, per se. Like there are different, you know, options that you can kind of go after on like physical or, or something else. Um, all of that being said, you, you do have to kind of deeply think about the impact that your services will have if no one can get to them right. and plan your disaster recovery um, accordingly. It doesn't need to be cost prohibitive. Um, and in fact, I, I challenge people in saying that you will probably lose more by being offline for a considerable amount of time than, you know, than whatever you're going to invest in terms of skills, people, and technology when it comes to creating disaster recovery. Mm-hmm. So just everyone just taking a very nuanced approach to it versus looking at it as a must-do cost center, right. which I think most, you know, companies kind of look at, quite frankly, IT in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm finding, I'm finding that more and more. So what are some of those, that, those advanced options that you, that you referenced? Um, so, uh, if, if you have the, the wherewithal and the money, it, it is making, you know, purchasing your own data center, uh, you know, or collating, uh, uh, co-locating a data center, um, obviously costs far more money, far more money, far more, you know, capital intensive. Yeah. But if you are really concerned about your RTO and your RPO, um, it, it and, and I also want to preface, you know, add to the fact that if you're in a particular industry, you may be required 
you know, to kind of think about that, mm. that may be the only <clears throat> recourse for you if you, what you provide is mission critical. So there, so there's that. Um, there are more advanced um, options for storage versus tape. I know that some places are still using tape storage. Um, there are far more, you know, better, more durable storage options. If cloud is not an option, there's definitely something in the middle between tape and cloud. Um, so just thinking about things that are cheaper but can also uh, be durable in case there's fire or water damage or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so really thinking about those a little bit more holistically. Um, and then this is related to cloud, but not really. Um, it, it's using disaster recovery as a service where instead of perhaps having a full team of people, you know, doing disaster recovery, there are places where, where you pay like a, a recurring fee, either, mm-hmm. you know, monthly or yearly or whatever, and they do the work for you they'll right. they'll do the backups they'll do the recovery they'll look at yeah. your RTO, rto and you wouldn't have had any additional time you know any additional resources because this third party is is handling everything and and the reason i say it's a little bit different than how i view uh view it in terms of cloud is that from my perspective I work with the client in actually developing out the infrastructure. So like the virtual machines, um, the load balancers, all of that. Whereas this is more software as a service and you're buying it as is. You're not really configuring it in a way that is, you know, granular. It's just, I need someone to do it for me. Here's my money. <laughs> Make it happen. Right. Right. Awesome. Uh, beautiful. Suzanne, I think that that should do it. Uh, thank you very much for, for hopping on. And uh, again, my apologies for last week, but I'm glad, I'm glad we got this done. Um, thank you so much, Zachary. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.